Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. So we've looked at that first line, Our Father in Heaven. How it talks of us recognising his fatherhood and entering into his presence. And today we're going to move on and look at how we can then come to God in praise and worship. And just to remind you, we're looking at this out of the passage in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. When Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them how to pray. And he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. And we're going to look this morning at those next four words. Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed literally means to be holy, to be revered, to be adored. So what we're saying is, may your name be made holy. May it be revered. May it be honoured above anything else. Now what we need to look at is we've looked at the first phrase of this prayer, now we're moving on to the second. But even at this point, the focus of the prayer that Jesus taught us to use as a model isn't about us. The primary focus at the moment is God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it goes on like that too. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And you're well through the prayer before it says anything about us at all. It keeps saying things about God. And then eventually it moves on and it says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, deliver us from evil. And then the focus at the end goes back to God. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And one of the problems we have as we pray is we tend to be preoccupied with ourselves. We spend too much time thinking about our problems. And it's one of the biggest problems that affects our society. We are all preoccupied with ourselves. The reality is, if we spend all our time thinking about ourselves, our needs, our concerns, we find it impossible to rise above the situation we're in. It's like there's a glass ceiling stopping you getting out of it. But God gives us an amazing invitation. And what we find is, as we start to look to him and concentrate on his presence, as we begin to revere him for the person he is, then we start to rise up. 
we start to rise up towards his level. We start to get his outlook on it. We start to live a godly life rather than a life of sin. God has given us something. He has promised us abundant life. He's promised us that here on earth. So when we look at this passage, it's not just about prayer, but it's about our whole way of thinking. But today we're looking at it in the context of this then is how you should pray. But really, it's about having a revelation of who God is. As we learn to encounter God, particularly if we do it at the start of a day, we get that revelation of his greatness and bigness in our life. It starts to affect us. And what happens if you do that at the beginning of the day, you carry that revelation of God with you throughout the day. It goes with us in our day-to-day challenges. It's there when we hit our day-to-day obstacles. It comes out in our relationships and our conversations. So what do we need to do if during the day we find that revelation of God is starting to go? The answer is simple. We need to go back to him and get that revelation of him refreshed in our spirit. And this hallowing, this holding up of God's name... This focusing on him is what begins that work of revelation and transforming in us. When we worship, we worship God. What have we just been doing this morning? We've been bringing our praise and worship to God. But what's happened to us? Do we feel uplifted? Do we feel in a better place for having brought our praise and our worship to him? You should do. There's something about it that although our primary focus is on bringing something to him, it does something in our lives. We get changed as part of the process. And that should be true every time we come into God's presence. We should go out different than we came in. When we were going back through the Freedom in Christ materials, we looked at how good it was for us to get rid of negative stuff in our lives, to get strongholds pulled down, to get bondages broken. But actually, do you know, that isn't the purpose of our life. The purpose of our life isn't just to get rid of all the bad stuff in us. The purpose of our life is to be able to enjoy being in the presence of God and to be transformed into his character and likeness and have a bit of his glory rub off on us so that we become more like him and like his son. When we begin to focus on God and on his holiness, do you know what happens? A bit of that holiness rubs off on us. We get covered with it. 
his holiness gets mixed in and it starts changing areas in our life that need his input. We get transformed to be more like him. We read in Exodus 34 about when Moses spent time with God. His very appearance was changed. It says in verse 29, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hands, he wasn't aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. So although our worship is for God, we get a benefit out of it. We get transformed in his presence. And one of the things I feel particularly stirred about at the moment, that as we grow as a church over the next few months and years, I think we've got to keep something very, very central. And that is true spirit-filled worship. We need to be a church where we really encounter God and that he starts to change us. As we come before him Sunday by Sunday, morning by morning, group meeting by group meeting, prayer meeting by prayer meeting, every time we come together into God's presence, we need to go out changed. And if we look at this section of the Lord's Prayer We find the focus of that. And it's hallowing his name. Now you notice it doesn't say, hallow God. It says, hallow his name. Now particularly in Old Testament times, names had a lot more meaning than they do today. When we get to that point in our lives where we have children, we tend to think back over relatives and names that we like and choose names for our children. Some people, when they can't find names that they like, take two and put them together. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to recognise that that's our culture today, that a name actually means very little. We choose names we like. We don't think about their meaning. But in Bible times, that was very different. Someone's name told you something about their character, about the person they were. And so you'll find several times in scripture, God actually changed people's names because their character changed. A couple of examples. Jacob, his name meant twister. That, when he wrestled with God, got changed to Israel, which means wrestles with God. Abraham meant exalted father. And God changed that as part of that prophetic thing he was doing in his life to father of a multitude. And in the same way, God chose to reveal himself through his names. Now God is just so big and so wonderful that one name isn't sufficient because we can't fully understand God. He is incomprehensible. We can understand things about God, but we can't take the whole package in. Our mind is just not capable of it. 
And so one of the things he did to help us with that is he gave us a whole number of names for him that start to reveal who he is. So, getting back to the Lord's Prayer, we come to our Father in Heaven. We can do that with boldness and intimacy. We can come into his very presence. But then lifting our hands, we need to start honouring the name of the God we adore. In humble worship, we need to revere him for who he is. Now, we haven't got time this morning to do a full study of the names of God. It would take weeks to do that. But we're just going to look at a few of them and see how they should have an impact on our prayer life. The first name that is given to God in the Bible is in Genesis 1, verse 1. And it's the Hebrew word Elohim. It simply means God. The strong God. But because of its context, it implies something more. It implies a God with a creative character. God the creator. It says in Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, he made everything. In Colossians 1.16 it says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, in him all things hold together. God was at the very centre of creation. As we begin to hallow the name of God and worship the Creator, something happens in us. Something begins to happen in us. I mean, we've talked about God the Father. We know about God the Son. And there's that third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Job, we read in chapter 33, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. So where is this creator God? Obviously, he's in the heavens. But there's another truth as well. He is living inside of you and me through the power of his spirit. So as we begin to worship God, as we come before the God of heaven and earth, we're starting as well to come in line with the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God, Elohim himself, is living inside us. He's sustaining us. He's building us up. Because he's a creator. It's something amazing to think about. That we are created beings, yet inside us we carry the very spirit of the creator himself. 
as we move on through Genesis, we see God named as El Edion. It simply means the Most High God. You can find that in Genesis 14, 19. He's not just a creator. He is everything. He is in everything. He owns everything. He is the Most High God in the universe. And if I praise him, if I praise the Most High God, what am I saying? I'm saying, God, you are the ruler of all things. You are above everything. You are the most high God. And as I begin to lift his name and his sovereignty, I'll find that sovereignty begins to manifest itself in my life, in the situations and the circumstances around me. Now how often, when we're out in the world, do we see things that need the sovereignty of God to come? Where God's rule and reign and kingdom authority need to be demonstrated. I see them everywhere I go. So as we begin to lift the sovereign God, we should expect to see his sovereignty revealed and established amongst us. Jesus said to his disciples, it's recorded in Matthew 28 verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's the ruler of the universe. And we read in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The ruler of the universe lives inside us. The creator of the universe lives inside us take some thinking about but the ruler of the universe indwells hallowed be his name the God most high the creator of heaven and earth now if all you did was transfer was declare that truth every time you pray and believed it how could you suffer from self-pity I thank you, O oh Creator God, that you dwell in me. That you are transforming me from one aspect of glory to another. How can we pity ourselves? How could you remain troubled when you know the God Most High is at work in you and in your life? We carry on through Genesis and in Genesis 17 God reveals himself in another way to Abraham. He reveals himself as Al Shaddai the all-powerful or all-sufficient one. Shaddai means sufficient or enough. 
So he was saying, I am your God who is more than enough. Not just enough, not barely enough, but all sufficient. When did it happen? Well, it happened when Abraham was 99 years old. He thought the promise of God for him to bear children had gone. And it says, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. Walk before me and be blameless. He needed a son. He was past it. So was Sarah, at least biologically. It was impossible for it to happen. But then, El Shaddai shows up. The Almighty God steps in. And we have to remember what the word Almighty means. It means Almighty. There is nothing he cannot do. Now up until this point, Abraham's knowledge of God was as we've previously seen. It was as a creator, a ruler and a sustainer of the universe. But here God started to reveal himself in a totally new way. He started to reveal himself as a God who was going to be involved in and change the created order that he'd already made. There are things in this world that we know are physically or biologically impossible. But God isn't constrained by that. El Shaddai can do the impossible. He is almighty. So he shows up to Abraham. A man in need of a miracle. And a son is born. And as a result of that son, a whole new generation of faith is actually born. Why? Because El Shaddai revealed something about himself. And the good news is, El Shaddai is alive and well, and he is still involved with us today. The God who is more than enough. We read in Hebrews 1 verse 3, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. In Ephesians 3.20 we read, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. El Shaddai is at work in us. That's where our sufficiency has to come from. Our all-sufficient God. He's here now. He's with us this morning. He's been working out his purposes in our lives. And as we lift his name, his presence goes to work more. He can work miracles in and through our lives. 
He can turn around those impossible situations and put the miraculous in their place. El Shaddai is with us. In Psalm 90 verse 2, we read, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. El Olam. The everlasting God. And you know, through Jesus, we have been given everlasting life. Through the everlasting spirit that lives within us, we have eternal life. Okay? Whether it's at 70 or 80 or 90, life won't just fizzle out for us. But do you know what the greatest thing of all is? What we're promised is not an eternal existence. It's life. Everlasting life. It is eternal salvation. It is eternal victory. It's an eternity in a new body with our enemies defeated. It is an eternity in the very presence of God. When life's getting you down, spend a few minutes dwelling on the eternal one and spending time with him. It will change. Hallowed be his name. George Muller commented, My first aim in my prayer time is to get happy with God. It's good that, isn't it? My first aim in my prayer time is to get happy with God. So we've looked at some of the L names of God that concentrate on him as creator, as almighty God. But then things change again. In Exodus 3 and again in Exodus 6, there's a turning point. Moses is in the desert. Israel is in bondage to the Egyptians and have been for about 400 years. They were getting to the point where they actually doubted they were the chosen people of God. They said, huh, if so, where is God? And it was when they were in bondage that Moses is told by a burning bush, I want you to deliver these people. Moses is obviously concerned that the people are going to doubt him because they're already doubting that they're God's chosen people. So he says, who should I say sent me? And God reveals a new name for himself. A name that was to become used and revered by the Jews as sacred for thousands of years. To the extent that even now Orthodox Jews revere this name so much they will not speak it aloud. And they they abbreviated it to a tetragrammon, a four-letter sequence from which we get Yahweh or Jehovah. What it actually means is I am. God says to Moses, I am who I am. That's what you're to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's in Exodus 3 verse 14. 
The name I am shows something about God. What he was saying is, I'm self-existent. I don't rely on anyone else or anything else for me being here. I am. He was declaring he was there, that he was present, that he will be, and that he would be what he was going to be. And equally, he was saying, I will be what you need me to be, Israel. He was declaring himself to be the total answer to everything they needed. He was declaring his willingness to be their healer, their deliverer, their provider. Yahweh, Jehovah, the God who could meet all the needs of his covenant people. In John 8.58, we see Jesus talking to the Pharisees when they're questioning him. And he says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus equated himself with Jehovah. He knew that they would understand that. And it's evident from the scripture, they knew exactly what he was saying. Because it says they picked up stones to stone him. And then in the Old Testament, God did something absolutely remarkable. He said, build me a tabernacle. Build me an ark. Build me a box. And I'm going to come and live in it amongst you. Now the priests carried that box wherever they went. Obadiah had it in his house for a while, and it says his whole house was blessed. Because wherever the ark went, things were changed. Because it was the manifest presence of God amongst them. The Philistines stole it for a while, and disaster happened everywhere they took it. Why? Because they were carrying the very presence of God. That Ark of the Covenant is still amongst us today. But now, the Ark is God's Spirit inhabiting our fleshly bodies. And we carry it everywhere we go. Spirit-filled, redeemed believers carry the presence of God everywhere they go. When we come together in worship we become the very dwelling place of God. And as we hallow his name, we're not just lifting the name of a God who lives in the heavens, but a God who is manifest and presence amongst us. And he will make himself near every time we lift his name. Holy is his name. The Lord God Almighty. When we read about what it's like in heaven, we read about how people can hardly stand on their feet but find themselves bowing down and crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. How awesome is it 
And then as we carry on through the Old Testament to this word that means I am. God adds little facets of who he is. In Jeremiah 23, 6, he reveals himself as Jehovah Sikenu, the Lord God, our righteousness. He is our righteousness. We are not born righteous. We are born in sin. But right back in the Old Testament, he was saying, he is our righteousness. Jehovah Sikenu. It's God that provides our relationship. It's God that provides our righteousness. And as we concentrate on the finished work of the cross, on the blood of Jesus, as we start thanking God for the forgiving our sins, then we can worship him. Jehovah Sikenu. God is my righteousness. He's also Jehovah Shalom. The Lord God, my peace. Do you know what that word shalom means? Many people think it just means an absence of conflict. But the word shalom in Hebrew has a far richer and deeper meaning than that. It means something of wholeness, of soundness, something complete, a sense of well-being in every part of your life. So guess what happens? As we worship Jehovah Shalom, as we lift his name, as we revere it and exalt it, that wholeness, that completeness begins to grow in our lives. If you want God's completeness in your life, don't concentrate on your incompleteness. Focus on God's completeness. And as we worship him, we are changed. There's a bit I love in Psalm 22, verse 3. I'm reading it from the New American Standard, so it might be slightly different if you're reading the NIV. It says, Yet thou art holy, O thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Literally what it says is that God sits down amongst our praises. Can you imagine that? That as we worship God, God just comes in and sits down, manifesting his peace in our lives. Next time you come to pray, spend some time praying for Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Another name he shows us. Jehovah Shammah. It's very simple. It means the Lord is there. The Lord is present. I know Melk's talked about having a banner made that says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But how about one that just says, the Lord is here. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here. 
He's not constrained to physical buildings. He dwells in us. He dwells amongst us. You'll find out that name used in Ezekiel 48 verse 35. And it something wonderful there it says and the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there how would it be if people said the name of that church is the Lord is there Jesus said I am with you always even to the end of the age we carry the presence of God. In Exodus 15:26, God says, "I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Raphi." Now there are many ways we can be healed: through the laying on the hands, through anointing with oil through the gifts of the Spirit, or God's common grace in the medical profession. Sometimes, people are healed just through a sovereign manifestation of God. Just by spending time in the presence of Jehovah Raphael, our healer. I know, I've experienced that. I used to have an awful allergy to milk products. Actually, when I was very small as a baby, I was allergic to cow's milk. It then seemed to go away for a while, but I still couldn't eat cream. It didn't really affect me, I just avoided cream. But it was so sensitive, Morena will tell you, we we were eating out... um, her parents had decided we needed a weekend away and had very graciously arranged for us to stay at a hotel near Oxford. And we were staying in this hotel and it had a somewhat posh restaurant. And uh, we looked at the starters and it was carrot and coriander soup, I think was the culprit. Sounds fairly innocuous, but when it came it had just a swirl of cream in the top. And I looked at Moena and I just thought, I'll probably get away with that. But I only just made it through the meal, didn't I? And we got back to our room, and for the rest of the night, you can guess what happened. But um, the cream was getting itself out of my body. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I lived with that for years. And then, in the mid-90s, during that period that people often refer to as the Toronto days... I spent some time just in God's presence, just lying on the floor. I had no idea what God was doing. But at some point during that period, I was healed. Nobody particularly prayed for me for it. Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody anointed me with oil. But it's just gone away. By spending time in God's presence... I received healing. And we can do that when we need it. When we come to pray, we can spend time in the presence of God, our healer. Sometimes I think we need to spend less time crying out for healing and more time in God's presence. 
just saying, you are the Lord. You are my healer. You took up my infirmities on the cross. You carried my diseases. Scripture says, by your stripes I am healed. And as we do that, the power of God is released in our lives. Let us worship the Lord our healer. God promises to be Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Do you have any needs? It's interesting. That isn't where this prayer starts. It doesn't start with give us this day our daily bread. But we can hallow the name and bring praise to Jehovah Jireh, our provider. In fact, we need to be constantly lifting up his name. Jehovah Jireh. May your provision for us be seen and bring glory back to you. May your name be lifted high and exalted as people see what you do amongst us in terms of your provision. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Moses built an altar. And he called it that. He called it, the Lord is our banner. It literally means, God is our victor, our rallying point. It means that if God is our banner, he will prevail. Scripture says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. He's made us more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We mustn't focus on the enemy or the opposition. We need to lift up the name of God, our banner, our victory. And then his victory goes before us. Psalm 23 calls him our shepherd, Jehovah Roi. He is the Lord, our shepherd. He leads us, he guides us. And we're going to be in his presence forever. Now I've only touched the surface. There are other names in scripture. And I knew I'd run out of time. But if you spent just a few minutes picking on the names of God that are most relevant and precious to you. And lifting them on high and hallowing and revering his name. Don't you think you'd have enough for a few minutes of prayer? We are called to spend time in his presence, to dwell there, to put on a good worship tape and get caught up in bringing praise and adoring the name of God. Surround your life with an atmosphere of praise. Because when we do that, three things happen. Firstly, God is exalted. Whenever we bring praise, whether individually or corporately, it says we bring a pleasing aroma before him. And that gives him delight. And he is lifted up. If you want to please God, worship him. And then secondly, as we give him glory, we, the church, are built up. We are transformed.
And then the third thing is that as God is lifted and as the church is built up, the lost are saved. There's a lot of churches that have jumped on a bandwagon that's referred to as being seeker-sensitive. That's the jargon. What they mean is being aware of the people amongst you who are unsaved. Now, I agree with the essence of that. I think we do need to be sensitive to those who are not saved amongst us. But a lot of their response is to take out the things that those who don't know God will find uncomfortable. What they're trying to do is sanitise the whole thing, to clean it up so it's a nice, neat package. Trouble is, if you do that, if in effect what you do is keep people away from the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, because that's a bit risky over there, you know, you touch it and you die. What do you do? You're keeping them away from the Ark of the Covenant. You're keeping them away from the very presence of God. You're keeping them in the safe zone. Actually, what they need is a face-to-face encounter with God. That's what they need to experience. His very presence. His power. Yes, we need to be sensitive. Yes, we need to help people. But we mustn't apologise for the presence of God. We mustn't be ashamed of passionately worshipping the King of Kings. And something special, isn't there? When we free ourselves from tradition and religion, when we're in love with God, and when we give Him the glory, the presence of God falls. And lost people start to experience something they have never known before. We spent uh, 10 years or so at a church in Bedford called Woodside. It's where Dave Devonish is, is based, for those who know that name. And when we first went there, it, it was really interesting. It was very much on the cutting edge of things in those days. And it was known for that. And everywhere you went elsewhere within New Frontiers, they said, oh, Woodside, huh? <laughs> Ooh, a bit extreme. You know, it doesn't feel like that these days. But, do you know, it wasn't the quality of the music or the preaching that brought people back. I can remember hearing people at their baptisms saying, I came along one Sunday evening, decided you were all nutters, and went out of the building saying, I'm never going back there again. But somehow I couldn't keep away. Because actually, God was here, and he kept drawing me back. There's something about God that gets to people. Let's demonstrate God's love Let's bless people as we meet them this week. Let's take his presence with us everywhere we go. But when we bring them here, let's bring them to a place where the presence of God is absolutely manifest. 
where Jehovah Jireh is providing, where Jehovah Rophi brings healing, where the God, our banner, is bringing victory, where God Almighty is saying, I am. It could change their lives. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.